This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Carolyn Mays. Carolyn, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Kevin, thanks so much for having me. So a little, we were talking a little bit off camera, and and um, just the whole idea of copywriting just was fascinating to me. And uh, but just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. So I live in Portland, Oregon now, and now I just, I'm really jealous. Yeah, it's. Well, it's spring. Well, it's been pretty nice. So, um, rainy, it's rainy right now, but I just got here in October. I was living in California and before that, you know, I'd been there for five years. And so I've lived in many places and, but I'm originally from this really small town in Louisiana. So it's the kind of place that you want to get out of as soon as possible. And so, and so anyway, so my, your, you know, my work history is really just like I went to college and then I bebopped around to different places. And if you know how to wait tables, you can go anywhere. And so waiting tables, getting odd jobs, you know, getting real jobs off and on. And then I, I started up in Seattle working with students from like little kids to people in graduate school to senior citizens, you know, just different. I had like three different jobs working with people on their writing. And so I was thinking for a while there that I would, uh, you know, find my way into the education system. And anyway, that didn't work, but along the way, like throughout my whole journey, I've always been taking writing classes. I've just always been in them. I've done some really cool stuff. Um, I've gone to Edinburgh and done a program there, and I've worked some, with some really fancy writers, people that you would know, and or some people would know. And so I just have always been in it, but it's always been my thing on the side you know, sure. um, while I was actually trying to make a living and survive. <laughs> and so anyway, at one of my last, my last desk jobs that was copywriting, I was like, I've had enough. And that's when I started my business. So, so that's the, did you study part. writing in college? Yeah, I have this English journalism hybrid, you mm -hmm. know, and just wrote a lot. And like I said, though, I really, I really fell in love with it after college and was taking classes and started off in fiction, actually, and later it was creative nonfiction. And yeah, and I, that's the best way for me to have stayed involved with it is because you're always workshopping, you're always learning from somebody, you're making friends. And it's like, I didn't even really realize I was doing it, that I was just getting this other education right. and just right. constantly honing my skills. And so, yeah. So now I, my understanding is that almost all good writers were voracious readers when they were little. Is that true of you yourself as well? That is not true of me as well. I was a total like Tom boy. I was outside and I was playing and I, and I remember I had, my friends would read books like the babysitters club and Nancy drew and I would read them or whatever. 
And then it was some at some point in high school, P.S., Louisiana has the worst education system in the country. And so we didn't, we weren't reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Louisiana and Mississippi. I mean, I know it's kind of bad everywhere, you know, in in this country. But, yeah, so we weren't reading any of the of the classics, but there was a copy of Catcher in the Rye in my house. And for whatever reason, I picked it up when I was a teenager and read it. And I was like, well, that's it. That was like the greatest book in the world. And there's like, I just, I don't know what I thought that there was just like goosebumps and, you know, Nancy Drew and babysitters club, like (laughs) something. And I would go to the library as a kid. I was really into, you know, I thought I was going to be a biologist. And so I would read, um, I would get books on mushrooms and snakes and, read about Herculaneum and Pompeii. It was just, I thought maybe thought I'd be an archaeologist. So that kind of thing, like I was taking information in right. and, you know, and my grandmother was an influence and my, uh, an aunt of mine was a librarian always giving me books. And so I, I had access to things, but it wasn't until college where I was just like, Phew. so yeah. Where did you go to school? Where'd you go to college? I went to three different colleges. Um, Louisiana Tech was mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah, Louisiana State was yep. the second one. Then I went to Tennessee um, and went to Middle Tennessee State University. Okay. So, which finally graduated. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how college how, was hard. Yeah, I, I was just going to say true college, a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah, because I was having to work, you know, the whole time. And so working, waiting tables and writing papers and basic and having rather poor time management skills to begin with, you know, like you're not really set up with the tools, especially if you go to college right out of high school. And for some people, that's how you get out of a town is you go to college you're not prepared at all to have this experience you know and to actually be successful at it and so so yeah that was definitely my story and um but i eventually made it through (laughs) so let me chase one of these proverbial rabbits here again so so i mean you traveled some you've taken some courses over overseas um, you know, been involved internationally. How would you change our educational system? What would be one or two tweaks that you would say, you know what, with our university system, kids need to take a gap year, they need to do this, uh, we need to do this differently. What would be one or two things that you think would would really improve our system here, other than throw away all the uh, goosebump books? And... Yeah. Oh my God. It, it seems like it needs such a reform. Um, yeah, I think people definitely need a gap year and to like just give yourself some breathing room to work and I think there needs to be and this I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say this, but there needs to be a conversation about what this is for. You know, like why are you going to college? Because it it isn't it is to get a job but it's also to expand, you know, Mm. on the world. And, 
and we just don't give people because education isn't because it, it's so expensive. You don't have right. time to get there and and take advantage of everything. And see, I did actually. I did get in there and take advantage of everything, but I also racked up a huge student debt. So yeah, it's exactly. like, you know, I was not understanding that part of everything. And so, yeah, I mean, it needs to be obviously affordable and it needs to, yeah, there, people need to know that they're in there to like learn and engage and like get into it. You know, it's not even just about, I mean, yes, it's about passing the class, but it's also like, this is why this matters. And so, I don't know. For me, there was there was a disconnect there, right. you know. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's so yeah, there's there's think about it is uh, you know we we lived overseas for thirteen years and the whole different different education systems that we were in. I mean, primarily we were in the UK for like nine of those years. So to see how early they track you know kids in specific, I mean, like. You know, when you're going to university, you're going to university as an accountant, you're going to university as a lawyer, you're going to university as a mathematician, you're going to university as a biologist from the very early stages. And they don't have a lot of, you don't take the first two years as kind of your general education, you know, classes right. that kind of this broad sense of, you know, kind of ex exploration. They track you from the beginning. And if you, if you change tracks, if you are even able to, it is so difficult because, you know, then you're almost starting over again. But, you know, the, the upside of that is that you're really well qualified in that specific discipline that, and there's not a lot of debt. But the downside to that is right. if you hate being a plumber. If you hate being a mathematician, if you hate being an accountant, you're, you're, you're stuck, you know, without, without having to go back and really go through the entire cycle again. And it's difficult to, to restart that cycle. But I just was curious to hear your, your take on that. And I, I know as you, you know, encounter, you know, students that are heading to college, I think your experience could be a, a real lifesaver to some of these kids about, you know, some of the things that they need to think about, you know, that, hey, why are you going? You know, are right. you just going to get a job? Or are you going to learn? Are you going to explore? Are you going to, you know, fill in the blank? And I didn't mean right. to chase that rabbit. But I, I just, you know, as you were talking, just really sparked and, you know, you said, I mean, I don't think anything's wasted. Historically, nothing's wasted. So, right. you know, you've worked with students, you know, you've had this experience, you know, yeah. you're going to encounter them in the future, even if you're teaching writing classes or if you're, you know, even right. writing bios, that type of thing. I mean, how do you, how do you kind of speak into the next gen yeah. you know, in that, in that realm? Yeah. And it's such a, um, it's kind of an emotional topic for a lot of people, you know, because there's, sure. there's one end of the spectrum where, yeah, people were kind of primed and, and made ready from the very beginning, like was down some path and that can cause an issue with people. And then there's people on the other side of the spectrum that kind of have floated around and dabbled in this and dabbled in that. And then when they are, let's say, building their business and I'm writing their bio for them and they're, they've got all this great experience, but they don't have those letters behind their name. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you can add, you don't need any of that stuff to have a killer bio for one. But right. also I see the, um, um, 
want to call it a lack of confidence because it's not like people are going through the world ashamed of it. But when they have to say, I am this thing and they don't have, you know, whatever, this, this beautiful track record, academic record of doing that thing, then it causes this, this consternation. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, and I've definitely worked with students at the, um, at the college level that were just like, I don't know why I'm doing this because my parents want me to. And it's sad. <laughs> You know, because you're like, ah, you know, you really, you obviously want to, you know, take a literature class or something, get out right. of counting. And so anyway, yeah. Let's see. I mean, I, I enjoyed writing, but it was difficult because I was one of those procrastinators that waited till the day before the paper was due to, you yes. know, try to write it all night long. And then it wasn't yes. very good. And then there's this like vicious cycle of, you know, were you, were you that way? I mean, when, when you wrote papers, did you, did you, you know, write them in advance and edit them? And I mean, were they really high quality by the time they turned in or did you wait to the last minute? I tried every way to do them, you know, and at some point, yeah, like I tried planning it out and then there would be this huge kind of procrastination period. between Something comes up always, yeah. Finishing it. <laughs> Um, and then at some point I had convinced myself that I work better if I just write all night long. Right. So if you just stay up and make yourself absolutely miserable, you know, <laughs> and drink a bunch of coffee, then that's be the best way to do it. Um, but really for me, it, again, high school was such a nightmare. And so when I got to college, I didn't, I remember turning in my first paper and I was just like, you know, like waiting for my medal of honor. You know, <laughs> I was just like, you know, you, you're going to have fun with that. You're going to use and, this as a model for future classes. Right. <laughs> and it came back just bleeding, obviously. Yeah. And of course it was an academic paper. And so it had to, it was missing a lot of um, the accoutrements of a academic <laughs> essay. And so, but I was mortified. Like it, it really hit me and I got this thing in my head where I was, where I said, if I can't communicate on paper, for me, that seemed like the most important thing is to be understood. And I feel like that's, that is where my energy went in college. And I took a lot of classes where I had to write papers because it was so important to me to be able to do that well right and so by the time i got out you know i was doing well with those types of papers um but in terms of like how i project managed getting them done <laughs> all, so yeah but you yes. learned the process so, so you you graduate from college you yeah. so do you immediately start in working for a company in the writing space or is there kind of a transition there what's what, what was your first job coming out of college and how does this kind of lead kind of walk us through the business transition path from college to you know your current business yeah god i have this is it a winding story? road <laughs> yeah I was going to say, it's such a sad story. The first job I got out of college was with this, it was like a receptionist job with an insurance company, but I took that job. And then a couple of days later, I got a phone call from this job that I wanted, which was writing brochures for mm -hmm. universities. And it was, 
I was so young and and I thought that I had to turn it down because I had accepted this other job. It's like you're an adult, but you're still scared of the real sure. adults. Yeah. You know? And so and I and my dad had said, you know, there's always money in insurance. And so <laughs> <laughs> I reluctantly turned down this job that would have been probably have gotten me where I wanted to go a little bit sooner. But I didn't. And so yeah, my first real job out of college was a real job. It was like mm-hmm. you know, working in a title insurance company. And I mean, I was just answering the phone, but still they were prepping me for something else that I didn't want to do. Um, but then I, like I said, I, I was like, I moved out of that town. I had moved to Virginia by that time because I then went there after college and went back to um, cocktails and, you know, waiting tables because that's where you could actually make money quickly yeah, exactly where was and that in virginia richmond virginia. you know that's where i'm calling you from right now really <laughs> oh yeah okay i think i probably knew that yes um i was there for like i think like nine months but oh. do you remember the restaurant davis in maine I don't. We we only moved here in 2012, so I don't know when okay. when that was. Yes. Was it that like downtown? Is it? Yeah, it was in the fan. Yep. And uh, anyway, it's on Davis and Maine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Hence That's the name. Yeah. <laughs> a great restaurant. So one of my favorite restaurants actually to work in. <laughs> yeah, and so. So I did that thing where I'd be like, I'm going to get a real job, get a real job. And I'd be like, I hate this. And so I go back to waiting tables. And so, yeah, it took me a while. I'm just one of those people that would get really antsy in a cubicle and, and had a hard time with like, this is your job, like this little, this little piece of the assembly line that comes to you and then it goes elsewhere. And really having no real, um, not that I have to be like in charge of everything, but there was just no, you couldn't feel your involvement in the big picture. Right. And so I never thought I would be uh, on my own business, but it's so, looking back, I guess it was just, it's in my DNA, so to speak, that just, I need to have my hands in there. So... And sometimes it's overwhelming with how much you have to do. Like you're talking to clients, emailing clients, writing for clients, doing, I mean, I've gotten other people to do accounting stuff, which is good. Um, But yeah, I know what's going on for sure. You Mm -hmm. know, in the big picture. So you transitioned, you were, you said you were copywriting for another company and then one day you just woke up and said, that's it. Stand up on my desk and say, I'm out of there. Yeah, because I just moved to California and I was like, I didn't move here to do this again. I've done this. I've done this cube thing, you know, and I've gotten stuck in cube things because I would like love my you know fellow employees. Right. Like, I like I like the people. Sure. Um, That's why co-working and, spaces were invented. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I, well, yeah, I go to one of those now. Um, but yeah, it's not the best reason. Maybe it's a fine reason to stay in a job. I don't know, but um, it it didn't feel like enough for me. 
And so I got to, yeah, this, I moved to a new town. I moved to Chico, California. I don't know if anyone's, any listeners have ever heard of that place, but great town, great people. But it was, it's just, I had just moved from Seattle, which is a very techie place, Mm -hmm. you know, place where it was relatively easy to get a job in a cube doing a thing, sure. right? And then I went, moved to this small town, sitting in a cube, doing a kind of a techie online thing. And uh, I was just like, this is not why I, I'm here, you know? So, and it was copywriting, you mm-hmm. know, calling myself a copywriter, but it was very, it was limited in your creative license. And so, um, so yeah, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw myself into this and see what happens. So, and I already had kind of a client lined up Mm -hmm. and I was like, this be enough. And I could kind of, you know, I've got a little savings. I've got a little, (laughs) I've got a little work. I'm just gonna dive in, which, May not be the most fiscally responsible thing, but you know it's just me, and um, so I'm not like dragging kids into into the problem or no. anything like that. So, so and yeah, that, that helps. I mean, I, I'm sure you've worked on both sides of the equation. You've thought, okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on the ex- expense side as much as I'm working on the the you know the income side. So because it, this is a two sided equation, you say I can cut my expenses down. I can you know, not have office space, I can do this, I can do that. And, and then I can generate the revenue to cover those things. Right. I can get a side gig. Like, exactly. I'll make it work. So, right. so I've got two quick questions. I want to, I want to just touch on right before I unleash you on our listeners for the micro micro course side of things. But yeah. one is, um, how did you, I mean, when you went on your own, did you, did you niche down that granularly can i say that that come did i make up a word yeah you can use that with the next bio okay. i mean you're you're really your your niche is really narrow so how did you how did you arrive at that particular niche so i started off um as a general copywriter um and i but i like i said i'm taking classes and because i'm always yeah, there's always more to learn. And I love, I fell in love with Ash Amberjay. I don't know if you know who that is, but she has a blog called The Middle Finger Project. And that's kind of, and it's a, it's a relatively well-known famous blog. Uh-huh. And she was taking one of her classes. She um, started off as a copywriter and she had always said to niche down and I, and I, I heard it, but I guess I wasn't absorbing it. But um, I was getting some feedback from her and I I had written to her and said, I'm thinking about writing this book about how to write a bio. And she got on my site and she emailed me back. She sent me this voicemail and she was freaking out. She was like, you have to do this. I'm normally not this prescriptive, but here's what I think. And she was, you know, focus on this, make this your thing, etc. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you have someone who's um, who you admire and who you learned a lot from, going do this. Um, I didn't, I didn't resist it at all. I was like, right. all right, 
you know, because it's such a great piece to focus on too, bios, because you're working with people in this really rather intimate way. You're mm -hmm. learning about them and their life story and, um, or kind of very specific stories. And sometimes those stories are very, they're almost taboo. Like they're hard to drag into the professional space. And those are the stories that I love doing the most. And, you know, some listeners might be like, well, why would you tell that story? But it's, it's, it is relevant to what they do. Like if you're some kind of coach that works with people who have been abused as children, right? You right. are, might have your own story. Or if you are an anti-bullying advocate, you have a story about right. an extreme case concerning yourself. And those things are kind of hard to talk about in, in the professional world under, right. the, under the fluorescent of, of, of the business world. And so how do we do that in a way that is compelling and doesn't, doesn't make you like feel sorry for somebody mm -hmm. or not want to read it, you know, or sound negative because it, it, it doesn't have to be at all. So it never is. So <laughs> if you do it's it also right. a perfect storm of timing here. So you have the millennial generation that is much more open and vulnerable. You have the Brene Browns of the world out there. They're, you know, that has the most famous Ted talk of all time talking about vulnerability. And then, you yes. know, you just have this whole idea that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all messed up. So, I mean, it's, it's right. really the perfect storm that, that you're, you're kind of stepping into this, perfect intersection of, of timing, this kind of Kairos moment, you know, in time here. So. Right. That's true. And another part of the perfect storm is there's that whole tell your story mantra. Yep. Yeah, we've all heard that in marketing. It's like, tell your story, tell your story, tell your story. And then it's like, okay, cool. How, you know, and then business owners, unless they've got some speaker platform, I don't know if they know that they can can tell their story. That's a great point. You know, yeah. and that they've got, yeah, they've got the space to do it, and it's their about page, mm -hmm. their bio, and then it it should be, from my humble perspective, <laughs> this foundational piece for of your brand. You know, that just that gives people an idea of who you are and what you're about and kind of what you're made of. And um, yeah. And how do you, how do you express those, those concepts through storytelling? Right. And so, so, so yeah, that's part of the storm too. And, mm -hmm. and vulnerability of course is part of a story and people don't realize this too. And I think, even when you are being vulnerable in a story, you absolutely have boundaries as well, you know, and Brene Brown talks about that too. Like you don't, there's a difference between like being vulnerable and, you know, I don't know how she words it, but I say being vulnerable isn't like, shouldn't be confused with giving a confession. Sure. Right. Like sure. You're, right. you're not there to like just slit your wrist in front right. of everyone bleed out you know like you yeah. you um you can being vulnerable you can still be very powerful your audience so. is not your therapist no absolutely <laughs> not yeah <laughs> different yeah right exactly you know so yeah you have those boundaries in place with your audience and you can save save all the insecurities for your therapist yeah, that's right but that is delicate balance because you're writing like a 400 word you know bio novella 
about uh-huh. somebody, you know, so, and it's, uh, it kind of reminds me, it's, I think it was Mark Twain that said, uh, I, I was going to write you a, a uh, short letter, but I didn't have time. So I wrote you a long letter instead. Right. I mean, it's, it is difficult to, yes. to really narrow down to the absolute, it's, it's a little bit like niching down the story. Right. You know, you're, you're taking out all the stuff that, you know, it's like, you know, you start with that rock and you, you know, chip away and then you end up with the diamond. So, right. Um, end up yeah. With file. yeah. And that's what people, when they, when they come to me, they're just like, I've got all these threads, like, how do I make it make sense? And then there's this happened and this happened and this happened. And it's like, look, we all have at this point, lots of stories we can tell. Right. And so, um, so you do kind of have to choose one or two, but also a story can be, this is what people also don't realize. It could be like two sentences. Yeah. And that could be the launch pad into your ideology mm-hmm. or the way that you work. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a great jumping off point to like say, you know, so I just wrote a bio recently where the story part was essentially just her deciding, like pushing send on an email to sign up for an improv class. And then it unwinds into mm-hmm. like, what that means, you know, right. and what she does. And right. so, you know what I mean? And, and there was another line about like all the like rotting takeout in her refrigerator because she was overworked and all that. <laughs> but it's just like, Boop, boop, just two little paragraphs, you know, and you don't have to write your like opus, you know. So, sure. yeah, this is, yeah, this is not the magnum opus that you, uh, right. You know, yeah, exactly. The, the more words, the more important I am. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's more about, um, it's, it's getting to again, like some, some heavy hitting concepts that you want to express about yourself and like suggesting at your ideology. And so um, all the details of the story aren't going to help you do that, but you need to also be conveying uh, why what you're saying matters. And so that's part of the story too. And so anyway, there's a lot, there's kind of a lot to it. And then there's, yeah, but you have to get it on a very small yeah piece and of to real. learn more you need to go to switchbladelemonade.com and hit the uh, contact us page and right. <laughs> you can exactly. start you can begin the dialogue but that's how you solve your problem right? that's right all, all roads lead to that contact page so let me right. let me ask you real quick on the idea of you know you talked about kind of living in cubicle jail or cubicle nation yeah. or whatever so if you could go back to cubicle land what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself that says, and I wish I knew this when I was sitting in that cube, you know, to make the transition to going out on my own, that would have been a game changer. What's one piece of advice you would give yourself now? <sighs> you think it'd be germane to listeners that may be sitting in that cube. They don't have to be bio writers, but they could be whatever, but they're kind of thinking, should I do this on my own? Right. You know what I think of is when you're sitting there plotting it out and you're like, how, how is that going to happen? I just want to stress that luck is part of the equation, Mm -hmm. 
and luck happens when you are doing the work, when you're doing the work and when you are not only doing the work, but also taking a break and going out to hang out with some people that, you know, you haven't seen in a while or just doing, going to that party, you know, and meeting it, you know, there's usually like connections that are made. Right. I, um, I don't know if people know this, but my bio was made into a video and it was one of these things that completely, it was great for my business because people could see what, you could actually do with one Mm -hmm. like my my whole my whole thing is that your bio should be so good you can make a short film out of it Mm, that's good we did that we made a short film out of my bio but what happened was is my cousin was visiting visiting he was in california he calls me he's like hey come hang out someone i hadn't seen in eight years and i was i mean i had i was busy and stressed out and you know had a million excuses of why I, you know, didn't have time to go. And I just did. I went out there, I dropped everything, went out and we end up just hanging out and him saying, Oh my God, we should make a video out of your bio. Cause he was, you know, he's messing around on my website. Would have been mm-hmm. up too lately, checking out my stuff. And so we, we shot this video one morning and then he goes back and we put it together, he puts it together and it was amazing. You know, and so that was like this luck thing that happened, but it was part of the equation and it wouldn't have happened A, if I hadn't gone out there and B, if I hadn't been doing the work in the first place. And so- that sounds like an added service you could you could provide as, as part of your website that, you know, bring in your cousin to do video, to, to videize, you know, people's bios, so. <laughs> That's right. That's another you know $2,500 that, or whatever. There you go. Yeah. Well, the video is part of a promotional, like it was partly for his business too, because mm-hmm. he, that's what he does as a video production company. But the thing is, is he's so expensive. <laughs> he's been there for a long time. Most people can't afford him. But um, it was a, and he wrote a blog post about this in his business. He was shooting these videos of people that were kind of those, um, we all, we've all seen it like the documentary style videos where you shoot the artists in their home. He shoots a lot of um, artists. He's uh, involved in the arts community in Baltimore. And you would have um, like the person sitting in the chair saying something and you'd have them in their studio and you'd see them painting. Right. And that's the way that everyone shoots those kinds of pieces about mm-hmm. people. They want to spot yep. the person. And so it's like, you, you're trying to get someone to say something interesting on camera, right? And then you kind of go and like slice it all together. And what we had was we had an entire script and the video just followed the script. Mm-hmm. And it was, it really is. Um, I would love to work with more videographers to do that because it is quite different than the way that we're usually showcasing people. So. Oh, and I think it would be, it would really help the videographer if you had the script already done and they were just really creating to the script versus, you know, they're finding, you know, video for the script versus, 
you know, versus the other way right. around. So yeah, the, half their work's already done. So right. and any videographers exactly. listening here, get yeah, back on exactly. the contact page and see if we can that's make some magic right. happen here. So that's right. Yeah. Magic. We arrived at the magic time of rising tide micro course. So yeah. it's the time where I just step out, go get me a cup of coffee but and, and listen from afar. But I just want to give you the space to kind of share exactly, you know, in your area of expertise, you become the professor. So all of our listeners, including the yeah. host, are listening. So, Caroline, it's all yours. Okay, so I want to. I was. I want to talk about how to identify the story that you're going to tell. And this is all. We're assuming that we're all on the same page now, right? That you're. That you should be telling us a story in your bio and using that. Um, that powerful way of teaching and talking to people. And so, you know, people are like, "Well, what story should?" I tell what story should I tell and so just if you stood back and just took kind of a big looked at the kind of scanned the landscape of your life and looked at just jotted down the things that you have been up to write down the milestones um, write down what you were doing between the milestones you know like what does the timeline look like and just took a big picture you know view and then ask yourself, what is it that you really need people to know, your audience, your, your ideal client? And this doesn't have to be anything sexy at all. It could just be like, I really need people to know that I can write. I really need people to know that I work really hard. You know, I really need people to know <laughs> that I'm super you know, compassionate, whatever. And what is, so choose the story. What is the story that's going to help you illustrate that point? And that is the story that you want to tell. And so start writing that thing down and see how, you know, work on getting it down to a page, a page and a half and see where that takes you. What a great, very short, very clear, very concise way to construct your bio. So let me let me recap a little bit. So you kind of have, you know, just it's you're you're taking a journey back in the wayback machine here, looking at the milestones in life, kind of the timeline, you know, what's happening even be between those milestones, kind of the transition periods and things like that. Then you're asking yourself, right. what is the most important things that I really want my audience to know, one of the most important things that they need to know, you right. know, that we can connect my business, my services with, you know, even questions they may ask. And then the third is, you know, once you choose those, try to write that in a, in a fairly concise manner, write it in a page and a half page, right. you know, and, and just really right. clearly convey that, that story. And you'd be amazed at, at uh, you know, the kind of the final product. And it's actually, I mean, it's, it's, it may even be therapeutic for yourself to be able to do this, to, to look back at some of these things, think, you know, I have come a long way, you know, in, yeah. a, very, in a pretty short period of time. And that, that kind of alleviates that imposter syndrome that you think, you know, I'm not a writer, I'm not a podcaster, I'm not a, you know, fill in the blank. Well, actually I am because all these milestones point to the fact that this is how I arrived at, at where I am. So yeah, absolutely. You're so spot on with that, Kevin. It's so true. And I have people tell say to me when um, when we're done, they're like, "Man, I'm really cool." And I'm like, <laughs> "I know, right? 
You're super. <laughs> and I've even had people go like, this is too cool, you know? And I'm like, no, you, this, you can rock this. And there's a moment of like, like, can I own this? And mm. it's, it just shows, and I don't, writing a story isn't about embellishing anything, you know, but it is about, is it, it's about bringing out the important threads, you know? Right. And, and so when people see themselves sometimes on paper, they're just like, wow, like, I'm pretty cool. I'm going <laughs> I'm I'm to try to live up to how cool this is. And I'm like, you've already done it. You know, you're there. So anyway. Yeah. You've arrived, but you're still on the journey all at the same time. So I, I love the way right. that you kind of couch that. So, so as we wrap up today, so tell people where they can find you again. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, yes. Services Switch you provide, you, you fill in the blanks here. Okay. So switchbladelemonade.com. There's several ways we can work together. Um, one is my, my signature service is obviously I write the bio for you, right? And that's this really cool, intimate interview process questionnaire. We go deep. Um, and then my other service is where you do the writing, but I help you identify the story. And it's kind of a coaching process where you come back with your writing and we pull out hooks and we pull out the threads. We get rid of things that don't matter so much. And so it's more of a, of a workshop. And I recommend that for people who want to write their own bios, but also have some confidence in their, um, in their abilities. And so also by the time that this airs, I have a book coming out next week. Um, it's a downloadable, it's going to be $49 and it's called bio like Beyonce. <laughs> and, so, and it's this, it, it's going to take everything we've been talking about and flesh it out even more and yeah. And has writing props in it and walks you through more of the, of the process. So. Well, make sure you send me a link to that so we can get that a link to that book in the show notes. We'll certainly have your website in the show notes, but uh, is there anything that I haven't touched on that, that uh, you want to add to this? Um, let's see. I wanted to add that we had talked about um, copywriters. Like if you're going to hire a copywriter, mm -hmm. whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, just know that there are a lot of people that can string a sentence together, but copywriting is its own genre. It is writing with an intent to sell, right? And it should be at its best creative, and you want to work with someone who is going to listen to you, right? Who isn't super attached to, you know, the way that they said it or whatever. And also someone who's going to push back, you know, with you. <laughs> and so, and because I just got a compliment recently from one of my clients who's like, I've worked with so many copywriters. She was in marketing and she said, and this was so great because you weren't just married to the things that you had said and you really worked with me, you know? And so she worked in, um, she worked with big corporations that are going through mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. And so that's something I don't know anything about. And so she's telling me these, you know, everything. And we're, we just, we dialed it in, dialed it in so 
beautifully. Like her final product was great. And so there was that, that push pull um, between us and yeah, just make sure that someone is listening to you and also like resisting you at the same time a little bit. So right. <laughs> yeah. Now, guys, I think, I think I happen to know somebody that might fit that bill. Um, she happens to be on the other side of the camera form from me right now. So if, if, uh, if this is something that, it, that your business is in need of, please make, take advantage of the contact information that we're going to have on the show. But uh, Caroline, I just want to thank you for just really adding value to our audience and, and just taking the time on this Saturday to uh, just share with me and share with the listeners just the whole idea behind copywriting and how this can kind of feed into, you know, a well-written bio, well-written about page for your business. But um, one thing that you, you mentioned, I mean, this whole, the whole rising tide startups kind of has a boat ocean, you know, seafaring theme to it but i love the the uh you know your startup advice talked about luck happens when you are doing the work yeah. um there's a quote that i had actually written down on my on my notes before we we started talking that it's written by a guy named joshua slocum who was a writer in the late 1800s uh, died early 1900s actually lost at sea you know he was sailing he's the first guy to circumnavigate the the uh the world by himself but he's, he wrote a quote that said, good work in the building of my vessel stood me always in good stead. And I thought, you know, this, this really makes, makes sense that you, if you do the work, do the foundational work on the front end, then it makes things sail much easier on the back end. Right. And, you know, you kind of laid that foundation, you know, do the work, write a good bio, tell a good story. And it makes so much difference, you know, to your business in the long run. So, Caroline, thank you for laying that groundwork, laying that foundation, and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks. You too, Kevin. Bye-bye.